So that's the title of my message today, Chosen to Influence. So look at your neighbor and say, you've been chosen to influence. Here's the reality is that you already are influencing people. Whether you believe it or not, you are influencing people. Whether you're being intentional or not, you are influencing people. I'm reminded today of how many people call themselves Christian, but they're not living like a Christian. You know what a Christian is? A Christian, the actual definition of Christian is little Christ. (laughs) Okay, how many of y'all want to be a Christian? How many of you are a Christian? Come on, raise your hand. Okay, you're a little Christ. Wow. Wow. But how many people call themselves Christian today, yet they don't live like God wants them to live, they don't act like God wants them to act, they don't respond like God wants them to respond. There's really not much difference than who they were before they met Christ, now that they have met Christ. And they call themselves Christian, and watch this, they're influencing the world on what a Christian looks like. Right? They're influencing the world. They said, oh, you can, you can do your drugs. You can, you can drink your drink. You can go to these places. You can say these things. You can look at other women. You can chase these things and still call yourself a Christian. You're influencing the people around you. And you may not even realize it. You see, I believe the day that I attached Christian to me, that I attached myself to being a Christian, was the day that the old me was supposed to die. Right? The old ways were supposed to die. The old habits were supposed to die. The old life is gone. The new life has come. It's begun, right? That's what I believe is supposed to be happening for all of us today. Is that the old habits I used to have need to die. They can't come with me into this new life. Right? Come on, if I'm going to be a Christian, if the power of God's going to live inside of me, then depression can't come with me. Right? Anger can't come with me. Fear can't come with me. It shouldn't come. I shouldn't keep it tagging along. Why? Because I'm now an influencer in this world. I'm not being influenced. I am the influence. Right? As a little Christ, I'm now the influence in the world. I want to remind you today that God doesn't need us. Look at your neighbor and say, God doesn't need you. You can say it a little more South Louisiana. God don't need you, bro. But he chooses you. Watch this now. He chooses to empower you to influence the world. God don't need you, but he chooses to use you, right? (laughs) He chose you to influence the world. I've been reading my Bible every morning for the past 192 days straight. Uh, been reading the chronological U version app because my goal was to read the Bible how it was lived 
in order, in that order. I don't know if you know this, but the, the Bible that you probably read is not in the accurate order. It was just, it was just stacked or, or designed that way for certain reasons that I don't know why. But, but chronologically speaking, the Bible is in a little bit different order than what you read in your, most of your, your normal Bibles, okay? And so it, what happens is you end up going from like Genesis to jumping to, to Numbers to jumping over here. You're, you're jumping across the Old Testament, and I've been stuck in the Old Testament lately. And I, I've been bouncing between kings and the prophets and all these different things. And it's really been fun. I'm not going to lie to you. I look forward to it. Some days I get two or three days ahead. It's really been cool because you kind of get to see how this whole thing just starts to flow. And how even from creation, God, how God just dealt with his people. Right? And you go, man, God was very gracious. God was very merciful. God was very patient. I used to read the Old Testament and say, man, God didn't have no patience. God didn't have no mercy. God God hated the people, (laughs) right? But now I'm starting to realize, no, God was very patient with the people. And so lately I've been, in the last couple of weeks, I've been in kings and and, and, and in between kings and some of the prophets. And and so what's happened with all these kings is that that Judah is is one part of, of the nation of Israel and Israel is the other part and they're divided. So God's children are divided and they each have their own kings. And, and, and so what will happen is, is Judah will get a king who, who and, and, and the chapter usually starts out like this, King Ahab, okay, I'll just use his name. Ahab was a man who did what was pleasing in God's sight. And then as you read, you start to read how God did some incredible things through Ahab or Ahaz or, or whatever. I'm just making up names. So, so you see how he, he, was, he did what was pleasing in God's sight. And, and God did some incredible things with him. And then you see the blessings of God follow the nation of Israel. Okay? And then, then, then he dies. The next king comes up and it says he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. And then Israel starts or Judah starts to go back the other way. They go from blessings to curses. Right? And so then so you, you see this kind of a bipolar type of thing that just goes, it's just all over the map. This king was good. This king was bad. Blessings, curses, blessings, curses. Good king, bad king, good king, bad king. And so after I finished reading through most of it, I was kind of like, dang. God, what's the deal? I mean, you couldn't find a good man? Why, why all this importance on the king? So I start questioning the scriptures. That's how you study. You question the scriptures. I'm like, Lord, what's, it, what's, what's the big deal about these kings? So I chewed on it, meditated on it, and I began to realize as the king went, so went the nation. Right? So if the king did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, he usually went down, went and tore down all the false idols, all the false gods, ran all the old false prophets out of town, destroyed the old temples of worship, and brought everybody back to a relationship with God, and then God's blessings flowed, right? But then there would be a king who would, who would come in and he would do what was evil in the Lord's sight and he would reestablish the idols, reestablish the false gods, reestablish all these temples and burnt offerings and these practices that would really just make God mad. And so I go, man, as the king goes, so goes the nation. Right? So the king ultimately had the influence on the nation. Shake your head, yes. 
The king had the influence on the nation. If he decided in his own heart to surrender his life to God, to follow the commands of God, to do what was pleasing in God's sight, then eventually the nation would come and they would do the same. And vice versa. If he did the opposite, they would do the opposite. I go, wow, that was influence. And so now I'm looking at it and I'm going, man, that's incredible influence. And I don't know if those kings realized how much influence they had, but whether or not they realized that they still had influence. And I want to say to you today, I don't know if you realize how much influence you have, but you do have influence. And if you want to, you can use it the right way. If you've been using your influence the wrong way, you can shift the gear, turn your direction, and start using influence the right way. With influence comes tremendous blessing or tremendous curses. That's what we see with the kings, that when they would use their influence to please God, the blessings of God always follow. So today I want to prove to you through scripture that you have an enormous amount of influence as a believer. And you got to realize this today. My, My hope, my goal for you today is that you walk out of here understanding clearly that I have the ultimate influence on the planet today. I do. Not because of my talent or my ability, but because the power of God is living inside of me. Right? So, so remember this, the day you gave your life to Jesus, when God, when Jesus drew you in and you surrendered and you, you prayed a prayer or you just made a confession that Jesus, you're now my Lord and you surrendered your life to him, that day, the Bible says the spirit of God comes to live inside of you and the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you now. And I'm going to tell you, as soon as this church starts to believe that, Things in the city are going to start to change. Because there's plenty enough people in here to change the city. It's just not enough of us believe that we have resurrection power living inside of us. Right? It's time for you to get past yourself and start living for the kingdom and not for yourself. It's time for you to tap into this resurrection power that's inside of you and start changing the situations around you instead of letting those situations change you. Right? I'm telling you, when the church realizes this, all heaven's going to break loose. Come on, somebody. All heaven's going to break loose in Eunice and the surrounding areas. If we'll just realize it. So what is influence? Let me give you a quick little definition. Influence is a person or a thing with the capacity or power to have an effect on someone or something. A person or thing with the capacity or power to have an effect on someone or something. I was studying this. <laughs> some of you may know this song. Some of you may not. It's not a good song, but there's a line in this song that says, I got the power. Y'all remember that song? Bump, 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 bump. I got the power, right? I'm about to catch the Holy Ghost up in here. Y'all remember that song? I got the. I wish we would be singing that song on the way out of here this morning. You have the power to influence the world around you. You have the power to affect people around you. 
You don't have to submit to anybody else but Jesus. Right? So how do we use influence? Let me give you the how and then I'll give you the why. Go with me to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to stay in Colossians, the whole message. I'm glad you're turning the pages of your Bible. Sounds wonderful. Colossians chapter 3. Y'all must really trust me because you don't bring your Bibles to church. I'm going to throw a weird scripture in here one day just to see if you're paying attention. (laughs) Colossians chapter 3. I want to give you the how before the why. Watch this. Verse 1. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Remember that word hidden. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Wow, that's that's some powerful stuff. So what is Paul saying? Paul was the author of this book. God spoke it into him to, to write it breathe the words into him. So Paul's telling the believers to concentrate on eternal things, not on the temporary things of this world. You see, the problem with this is that most of us focus too much on the here and now and not enough on the then and there. That was a good place to say amen. That's the problem with most of us. Is we, we, we focus on what's going on right here, right now, the temporary things, and because of that, we're distracted. Our eyes aren't on Jesus. Our eyes aren't on the, on the goal. We're not pressing towards the mark like Paul says. We're dealing with the here and now. And that's a problem. Because the scriptures say that you need to put your eyes on the heavens. You need to focus on the heavenly things where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Yeah, but pastor, I've got to go to work. You know, I've got to cut the grass. I've got to clean the dishes. I've got to pay the bills. Good, do that, but focus on heaven. Look at me. You can do it. (laughs) You can live on this earth and focus on heaven. God wouldn't say for you to do it if you couldn't do it. (laughs) Right? That means you can walk through this life and problems blowing up all around you and you can stay focused on heaven. Look at me. Say, Say this to your neighbor. Say, you can do it. You may want to throw a little Bobby Boucher in there. You can do it. Here's the deal. Satan wants you to focus on the temporary things that are going on around you. You know those fiery darts the Bible talks about? He's shooting them at you and he wants you to focus on those fiery darts that are coming your way. Because if you focus on those, you're not focusing on Christ and what he wants you to do. Come on, then he wins the battle. (laughs) You see what's going on here. Your money gets a little funny and your bills get tight. What does the enemy want you to do? Oh my God, they're going to repossess the house. It's the end of the world. Come on. He wants you to focus on those things. When we focus on the temporary things, we succumb to fear, doubt, unbelief, distractions. Here's a good one, confusion. 
You ever get torn between what's going on in your life and your relationship with God? You ever get kind of torn where you go, I don't know, I've been spending so much time with my life that I haven't spent time with God. You ever get confused about what you're supposed to be doing? Am I supposed to be fixing all my own problems? Or am I supposed to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then He'll add all these things to me? We get confused, right? Come on, how do you know that, Pastor? Because I get confused. Right? When we focus on the temporary things, we lose sight of the greater reality of heaven and eternity. I don't know about you guys, but my wife loves to ride in the car with me. Because I've developed this strange and very rare ability to look at all the scenery around me and yet not get in a wreck. God's gifted me. She thinks it's bad when you hit the warning signs on side of the road. That's not bad. That's the grace of God. I mean, come on, somebody. You can look and see what somebody's got in their backyard and go, and get back on, right? And if you go to the middle, that's why God had man put those things there, so you can drive and you can focus on what's going on around you. And she loves it. (laughs) She does. She never gets upset. She never gets nervous. She never hits the the brake. On the patch, come on, somebody. She, you, you, you're like, what you doing? You got, there was a bug? No, I'm hitting the brakes. I'm, <laughs> Anybody else have that ability? Come on, somebody. I'm not the only one that's gifted. Right? I mean, you can check out, like you can see what's in the back of somebody's yard when you're heading that way, and you can focus, and you can catch it from the other side. You're like, whoa. Right? And you get a little, you just get back on, you're just correct. That's what, that's what they put that there for. I don't have to focus on where I'm going. Uh-oh. I don't have to focus on where I'm going. I can stay distracted the whole time and just get there. See, that's how some Christians believe. That I can, I can focus on my problems. I can focus on what's going on in the world. I can keep up with T-girl and T-boy and find out what they're doing and get caught up in their drama. And I don't have to worry about anything because I got warning signs and, and I'll make it. Right? I'll make it. We're not going to wreck you wonder how many times I had to lock up? How many times I come inches from killing myself and my family? My wife's got this great ability now to punch. <laughs> it's a gift from God, right, Virginia? <laughs> Pay attention. I'm like, dang it. You're going to get me in a wreck. <laughs> What's getting your attention these days? I want you to answer that question to yourself. What's getting your attention these days? Where's all your attention been this last week? Let me say this. Are you so wrapped up in Christmas that you're forgetting about what Christmas is about? <laughs> Are you so focused on your Christmas tree? <laughs> oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. You see, to focus on eternal things, you have to be intentional. One of the the thousands of reasons you need to read your Bible and spend time with God and start your day off right is so that you can get your eyes cleared and set on the direction that you need to go that day. Come on, a word on Sunday ain't going to carry you to the next Sunday. I don't preach that good and you don't listen that good, right? You got to, one of the reasons you crack open your Bible is so that he can remind you of who you are, what your mission is and where you're going one day. Right? You know what that does for you? That it uploads the power to live in the day. But if you don't upload, you go into the world empty. 
That's good preaching. I don't care what y'all say. You go into the world empty. It takes discipline to focus on heaven. I wish I could stand here and tell you that today I've been perfect at focusing on heaven every day. I don't. It's taking discipline. It requires discipline. Amen? It, it requires consistency and intentionality. These are things that we have to do as believers. Watch what that last verse, verse 4 says. When Christ who is your life. God is good. When Christ who is your life. Because Christ is your life, when he is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory also. So watch this. One day, one day the world that you live in that's rejecting Jesus and they're rejecting you right now and they're giving you fits and they're giving you a hard time and when you go and you get around them, you just feel the presence of hell. When you One day those people are going to see Jesus. They're going to have a revelation of Jesus and when they do, they're going to see you in that day because you're sharing in that glory. You got to believe this, that that you got a part in Jesus' glory. That when he gets revealed one day and everybody gets to see him, they get to see you right there with him. And you know what happens? They go, "Uh uh-oh. They're going to say the famous words, the words you've been dying to hear. They were right. Oh, my God, they were right. One day Jesus is going to be revealed to the whole world and we're going to share in that glory. The people that don't appreciate you now will one day go, man, I should have appreciated them. Man, I should have done what they did. Man, I should have went where they went. Man, I should have listened to what they told me. Right? When believers focus on heaven, the distractions, of, the distractions of this world become strangely dim. I think it's, it's pretty amazing how even in the New Testament it's clear that we're supposed to cast our cares upon Jesus because he cares for us. And casting is an intentional throwing. Casting don't just happen. You don't walk up to the pond with your rod and reel and stand there and catch a fish. You got to do it. You got to cast it, right? You got to throw it. You got to be intentional. You got to aim it at the right place. You got to take it, press it. If you know how to use an open face, put your, press the button, keep your thumb on the string and throw it and lightly let the string come out so you don't backlash and then cuss, right? So, then, so you cast it, right? So as believers, we, we got to cast our cares upon Christ is what the Bible says, Right? It constantly says that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The the scriptures are pretty clear that we're supposed to focus on him and he's going to take care of this. Right? But the temptation is, is to focus on this and not cast anything on him. You see, his mission is greater than your problem. His mission is more important than your problem. His mission is more important than your things or your to-do list. Come on, you to-do listers. God's mission for you tomorrow is greater than the concerns you have for tomorrow. If that wasn't true, he would never tell you to cast your cares upon him so that he can care for you, right? He would never say, well, throw them on me and I'm going to take care of you if he didn't want to take them. If what he wanted you to do wasn't more important than what he was willing to take off of you. 
This is making sense. Influence. Go with me to verse 12. To verse 17. Watch what it says here. This, this came out of my quiet time, and I want you to see this almost like a quiet time. So two things are going to start to happen right now. You're going you're gonna to hear the message I'm preaching, but I want you to also see how to have a quiet time. God just told me to say that this morning, that, that you, if some of you struggle on how to read your Bible and have a quiet time, I want you to just pay attention to how this thing's kind of laid out and how God showed me through scriptures, because this came out of a quiet time. This came out of a time like you would have in the morning with God, where you would crack open your Bible and he would say something to you through the scriptures and you would take some notes and you'd write some things down. Then out of that would come this message. That's the thing he wants to upload in you is a message for the day, right? So that's where this comes from. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves... You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Listen to the words he's using there. I had to get a little bit of English help this morning, but those are verbs. He's using some verbs, some action, what I call action words in response. So when you read the scriptures, you need to listen to what it's saying. Watch, I'm going to read this again. Since is a big word. Since God chose you, you see, you see the pressure? Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must, see, so watch this, since God chose you to be the people that he loves, you must, you feeling some pressure yet? Look at me. The scriptures will put pressure on you. It's a good pressure. Because the pressure that comes on you when you read the scriptures is there to push out what God don't want there and to release what God wants there. So let the scriptures put some pressure on you. So since God chose you to be his holy people, you must, (laughs) strong words, you getting this this morning? You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, your favorite word. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone, say anyone, who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which is the bind which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message of Christ about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do, (laughs) and whatever you do and say, do it, watch this, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. (laughs) You feel pressure now? Welcome to my quiet time. That's what a quiet time is supposed to look like. You're supposed to sit down with your Bible and open the scriptures and let the scriptures begin to read you as you read the scriptures and the scriptures need to put some pressure on you that says, since I've saved you, since I pulled you out of the the pit of hell, since I delivered you from darkness, since I've done all these things, you must 
put this on. You must do this. You need to let this. You need to forgive this person. You need to be thankful. Above all else, you need to love. Are you seeing this? You seeing how the scripture puts pressure on us to change? Because the reality is, is we don't wake up in the morning and naturally want to do that. I've never woken up in 43 years and said, Ooh, I feel tender hearted mercy today. You can ask my kids, they've never seen me like that in the morning. I've never woken up with this enormous amount of patience. I wish it would happen that way, but it doesn't. Right? I must do that. (laughs) You all went from smiling to going. (laughs) You don't like it when the pressure's on you, huh? Had a guy used to tell me, say, ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun. (laughs) Chew on that for a minute. I believe the reason most Christians don't read their Bible is because they don't like the pressure it puts on them. <laughs> Can I tell you, there's days I want to throw this thing down and say, uh-uh, cuz, not today. <laughs> there's days I don't want to go read what this thing has to say. You know why? Because it's going to mess up my schedule. It's going to mess up my plans for the day. I don't want to read this because I know I'm going to go into a tough situation where it's going to require me to muscle through. And God says, I don't want you to muscle through anymore. I want you to go by my spirit and not by your might. But Lord, I like to muscle through. I get glory when that happens. You see, there's some days I don't want to, I believe Christians don't want to read their Bible because they don't like the pressure it puts on them. But here's, here's the reality. Though the scriptures put pressure on you, It's good pressure. It's good pressure. Are you hearing me? It's the kind of pressure that gets you out of the ditch. It's the kind of pressure that keeps you focused on heaven. It's the kind of pressure that gets you away from thinking about yourself. It's the kind of pressure that gets you busy about doing what he wants to do. It's the kind of pressure that changes the world around you. It causes you to be an influence and not to be influenced. Right? Because if you take 12 to 17 and you go, man, I'm going to apply this to my life. That I must clothe myself with mercy and kindness, humility and gentleness and patience. I got to make allowance for each other's faults. I gotta forgive anyone who offends me. I gotta remember how much he forgave me. I gotta clothe myself with love, just like I would put on my t shirt. I gotta clothe myself with love. Who dresses you in the morning? You better not say your wife because you've grown adult. Just like you clothe yourself with clothes, you got to put on these things, is what the scriptures say. You got to be intentional. It requires discipline. I'm thankful that you had enough discipline to show up at church today clothed. And you're grateful I did too. I promise you. You mean I got to let the message of Christ 
fill my life? What's that all going to do? That's going to give you supernatural influence in a dark, dim, and nasty world. If you'll put on tenderhearted mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, you'll start to change the environment around you. God will cause you to walk into a turmoil situation, a chaotic situation, and you'll be the calm in the middle of the storm. Right? So the scriptures put pressure on you not to hurt you, but to help you. Look at your neighbor and say, this feels good. So you must clothe yourselves with all these things. Tender-hearted mercy. Listen, I'm not a tender person. I'm a grizzly bear. I don't do things tender. It's not natural for me. For some of you, that's easy. Not for me. I got to work at that one. Kindness. That one doesn't really flow too well either. Humility. Eh, sometimes. Can I just be honest? Gentleness. I can play the piano, but I'm not gentle. I played football too. I was a bouncer too. I'm not gentle. Patience. I'm perfect in patience. He says you got to make allowance for other people's faults. You know what that means? It means you got to prepare yourself to be around some jacked up people. Come on, Christmas is coming, y'all. <laughs> you got to get ready for your crazy family, <laughs> right? <laughs> you like the squirrels have gotten out the cage. <laughs> you got to <laughs> listen to me. Before you go to the Christmas event, you need to prepare your heart and make an allowance for their faults, right? You need to go, okay, so-and-so is going to say something stupid. They always do. This one's going to cuss a few times. This one's going to talk about everybody and their mama. And, right? And so then you got to be ready. So the Bible says you need to make an allowance for that. Why? So that you can continue to be an influence. Because when you don't make an allowance for them, you walk into their wreck and you become a wreck too. And you get sucked into the drama. Right? You, you walk in unprepared, unready, not even, not even geared up or armored up to be in that environment because you haven't made an allowance. He calls us to be an influence and he equips us to be that influence. He says, forgive anyone who offends you. Yes, you've got to forgive your relatives. It's scriptural. Seven times seventy. You gotta you know how you forgive people? The best way to forgive people is to remember what you've been forgiven for yourself. You know that'll also bring some humility into your life? When you start to remember how much of an idiot you used to be? Let me let me let you in on something. People are making an allowance for you when you get to Christmas. Ha <laughs> ha. You didn't think I was gonna say that, huh? Yep, yep, yep. They make an allowance for you. People are having to forgive you. People are having to be patient with you. You think you all that in a bag of chips, but you got some trouble too. Thank you for all those amens. <laughs> Let peace rule in your hearts. Let the message of Christ fill your life. Listen to that. Let the message of Christ 
fill your life. You know what that tells me? This is just my quiet time, y'all. You know what that tells me? That every bit of my life needs to be saturated, marinated, and soaked with the message of Christ. That everything I do, everything I say, the way I respond, the way I react, the way I... I see, I have a hard time getting this right. I love you to death, but I look like this. Serious. People tell me I'm mean all the time. I'm not, I'm not mean. I'm a really nice guy. Right? Because we're the influence. My life needs to be saturated in the message of Christ and everything I I do and say needs to preach Christ. That's why I'm here for just a moment. The Bible says you're here for for what seems like a vapor. We got to remember that. We think, man, this life is long. Listen, the older you get, the more you wish it slowed down, right? When I was 12 years old, I wished the life, I was like, man, would this life ever speed up? I'm 43, I'm going, dang, who can hit the brakes? Grab the brakes! But listen, the Bible says, don't focus on this. Don't get in love with this. This is but a vapor. That's why he says to focus on the heavenly things. Where Christ is. Right? Not on the temporary. On the eternal things. If we choose to live this way. Will it really influence others? Does it really work? How many of you believe it really works? I think it really works. I believe that. I'll give you a couple of examples of how it really works. There's a church in Alabama called the Church of Highlands. It's a very big church, many campuses. I think they have like 13 or 14 campuses. Long time ago, they decided to invest in the prison system of Alabama. So every Sunday, every Wednesday, they do a service. Every time they do a service, they video pipe in. They pipe in via video the messages that are being preached, the worship and all this, and they have these massive gatherings at all these prisons. And then they have life groups that go into the prison and they start to just minister to the prisoners. The Bible says we need to do that. And they've been doing that for years, and they've slowly but surely gained influence over the prison system. This year, the state of Alabama called the church and said, hey, we would love for you to come in and rewrite all the prison reform for the the state of Alabama. Holla. That's influence, right? It didn't happen the first day. Come on, somebody. Listen, the squirrels are going to be out the cage when you get to Christmas this year, but they're not going to go back in the cage this year. The people will still be a little bit crazy. But in your longevity, in your consistency, as you continue to go and continue to go, the things around you will start to change. You want great kids, you've got to be consistent in your discipline. If your discipline is bipolar, your kids, is, <laughs> their attitude's going to be, you know what I'm saying. You've got to be consistent. If we want to keep the flame up in our marriage, we got to be consistent, right? It comes with longevity. It's influence. That's, that's great influence. When the prison system of Alabama calls you and says, hey, would you come and rewrite the reform for all the prisons in Alabama? I go, wow. That's heavy-duty stuff. My friend Mr. Elson and Miss Mona, they, 
they, they've got great influence. You may know him, may not know him, but he told me a story a couple weeks ago. And he was, he, was a, he was a pretty bad alcoholic that was fighting depression. And he was ready to basically take his life. This wasn't but, but even a year or two ago. And in a moment of rage, they took his guns or wouldn't give him the key to his guns. And the police department got involved and all these things happened. And then finally, they ended up coming to church, Mona and Elson did. Mona and Elsa started coming to church and they started getting connected to the family of God and, and hearing good messages and, and being around people and being in life groups and they got plugged in and they got involved. And now when the, when the whole crew shows up on one Sunday, they can take two of these rows. They got influence, right? He was the drunk one in the family. But because he decided to do what God wanted him to do instead of what he wanted to do, God gave him this tremendous influence that changed the whole family. It works. It works. It works with longevity. It works with consistency. Amen? So let me give you the why real quick. Why on influence? Number one, because Christ first influenced us. He influenced us. Why do we need to be the influence in this world? Because he influenced us. You need to remember what he did for you. He paid the price for you, for you to go from spiritual death into spiritual life. He paid the penalty for your sins so that one day you could spend eternity in heaven. He paid the ultimate price for you. He lived a life on this planet that you could follow after because Christ first influenced us. Number two, because we are hardwired to influence I'm telling you, you won't be fully satisfied until you start to make a difference in people's lives. You won't be fully fulfilled until you, until you start to make a difference in other people's lives. How do I know that? Because it's true for me that there's this emptiness inside when I'm not making a difference in this world. There's an emptiness in me that says, I got to go do something that's going to last for eternity. It's got eternal consequences. I got to go do something that's going to change somebody's course of history. Right? I got to go do something so that somebody else can get a chance to hear the message of Christ. I got to go do something. I got to go love somebody, serve somebody, so that it'll open up the door for me to bring the message across. Right? I've been hardwired for that. You've been hardwired for that. And then number three, because eternity matters to everyone. Everyone will spend eternity somewhere. I want you to let that sink in this morning. Everyone will spend eternity somewhere. If you'll use your influence the right way, intentionally, you can change where most of the people in your life spend eternity. Think about that. Let that weight come upon you this morning. The people in your life, it starts at home, your family. Then it goes into your, the marketplace then your job and where you do your hobbies and then your extended family. All those places, those are the places of influence that God has given you. If you'll do what the scriptures say and let God give you this power to influence the right way, that the people around you will begin to change They will follow you as you follow Christ. And one day we'll all spend eternity together in heaven. Right? 
you have that power to determine what the faces in heaven look like. You have that power. We get to be a part of what eternity looks like. And here's the crazy thing is Jesus is waiting to reward us for how we use our influence. The Bible says that. That he's anxiously waiting to reward the believers, the saints, for what they did with what he gave them. Can I just tell you, I didn't get all the rewards I thought I should have got while I was on this planet. But I, I can get them in heaven. Come on, somebody. I can determine what the faces in heaven look like if I use my influence the right way. Pastor, how, how do I do that? Well, number one, it starts with a relationship with Jesus. You've got to make sure that you're saved. You've got to make sure that you have a life-giving relationship with Jesus, that you've surrendered your life to him, and you've declared that he's the Lord of your life. That's where it all starts. And sometimes that's where we've got to go back to as believers, right? We've got to go back to our first commitment to God. And then it's, it's getting consistent in your relationship with him reading your Bible and praying and talking to Him and believing for the impossible. Putting your eyes on, on heaven every day, focusing on Him. Doing what the Scriptures say. And as you do what the Scriptures say, you start to see God in your everyday life. You start to see the power of God manifest when you obey the Scriptures. Right? You start to see supernatural things happen when you do what the Scriptures say. I wonder what will happen if you go to Christmas this year and you ask somebody to forgive you for something they did to offend you or maybe something that you've done. I wonder if that will change eternity just in that one moment. Your obedience to the Scriptures can change eternity forever. Right? That's the power that we possess as believers. You really do have that power. And whether you believe it or not, It is your power that God has given you to influence.